Today we are in Isaiah 11 for our second Sunday of Advent. As I read these words, may uh, may they find a place in our heart today as the Spirit speaks to us. Isaiah 11, 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked." Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the uh, fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Amen? Amen. Amen. Our theme for Advent this year is prepare the way. And we chose this theme because that's what prophets do. They get the people ready for what God is doing today and in the future. For those who will listen, there is truth for ordinary life. There is hope for the extraordinary circumstances we find ourselves in for every generation. And the prophets cajole us. They dig into us. They speak plainly. They demand. They comfort. They simply speak God's will with the purpose of helping us mere mortals see the Holy One. When we read Isaiah 11 today, we see how the prophet is indeed getting the people ready for something or actually someone who is coming. The description of the one born to save indicates that they are obviously special The servant has to be divine, as the description clearly describes someone more than human. So from this passage, we're going to focus on one reason, one reason Jesus came, and that is to bring the impossible to the world. This truth brings massive ramifications for us, because we all face what we believe are immovable obstacles and situations that seem to have no solution. This one, this ruler that Isaiah talks about, whom the early church knew to be Jesus, came to show the world that he can overcome situations that cause us grief, that frustrate our efforts and have no resolution. So as we begin, I want to show you a few plants that are growing in impossible situations, places where nothing should be blooming or sprouting or thriving, yet here they are. This is one of my favorites. Uh, This is a purple wall, and here are purple flowers that are delightfully springing up out of the concrete. I think it's delightful, the flowers coming in all the right places. 
The next one is a car with moss growing out of its front light. When I was little, we had a junkyard in our town and I just can't imagine just like let the green light shine everywhere. The next one is from a creepy dilapidated old house. The people moved in and the plants, uh, the people moved out and the plants moved in. This next road sign, I think the caption should be, there is no limit on fashionable road signs. Look how it looks like a hat. It's like such a hat. Now this next one is an interesting story. This is a ship um, that was built in 1911 that was used during World War II as uh, transport. In the early 70s, it was brought to uh, a harbor in Sydney, Australia to be dismantled. But for some reason, I don't know, like red tape, they, it didn't ever get dismantled. And then all of a sudden, the vegetation started to grow in it and on it until it started to be called the floating forest. And now there's no way they're dismantling that. So resilient. Uh, this next one is a tree that's growing out of a rock in Buford, Wyoming. In 1867, when the railroad was being laid there, the workers saw this little timber pine, limber pine growing out of this rock, and they moved the railroad around it so that they could preserve it. And then through the wagon trail, the Lincoln Highway, and now Interstate 80, which they split to go also around this tree. It's a treasure. There's a fence around it. It's it's simply called Tree Rock with a sign that reminds people that these kind of pine trees can live 2,000 years. And then the next one, the, the last one is how everyone is excited about the banyan tree in Maui. Frank, do we have that? Um, there it is. Look at the leaves that are growing on the banyan tree in Maui that was completely burned in the fire that happened earlier this year. They say that they're seeing life, new life, on 75% of its body. With most of the town center gone, workers have been pouring water on the tree every day, hoping that this will be a symbol of change and life and what a long recovery process that's gonna be. So I wanted you to get a few pictures in your mind as you think about why sometimes things grow where they shouldn't. With no human maneuvering, with no understanding why it happens, God brings new life. And it's definitive proof that when God wants to bring new organisms or fresh flowers or new trees out of seemingly dead or impossible places, he will. There's mystery here, but what is evident is that the world is created for living things to thrive. Even when there's no outward signs of life, there is some hidden uh, a vitality of a root or a seed remains. In the book of Jurassic Park, Dr. Ian Malcolm says this, life breaks free. Life expands to new territories, painfully, perhaps dangerously, but life finds a way. Now, of course, he was talking about rogue dinosaurs, but the sentiment is the same. <laughs> Now from this passage, let us notice the various ways that God brings new life from something that didn't seem possible or was so fantastic that no one thought of it. The most obvious sign of life in this passage is the shoot coming out of the uh, stump of Jesse. So we need to talk a little bit about this imagery and to understand why it's a big deal. Throughout Isaiah, a predicted future royal king is coming who would come and bring righteousness to a beleaguered nation. 
And God, remember, made a covenant with David that promised how David's throne would be established forever, including the future Messiah. And the early church understood this Messiah, of course, to be Jesus, which is why Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy so that everyone sees that Jesus descends from David. But think about what Isaiah is saying here. In this time, it appears that David's line has been cut off. The northern kingdom is already gone. Judah is being taken over. And the stump is a metaphor that David's line is dead. And when we've been studying Isaiah, we've been thinking about why this has happened. The wickedness or the pride of the people. God cutting the nations down to size. So many things going on. But I was wondering about how Isaiah felt in all of this. Isaiah seeing the demise of Judah while also at the same time proclaiming the hope that is going to come. But really there's no evidence that there's any hope happening except that God is speaking. And we think about what attention that must have been for the prophet. Because it seemed as though all was lost. But those who speak out for God, those who speak out for God, are meant to keep proclaiming the goodness and the trust that we have in the Lord, even when it seems like there is no life. So we read of some of this destruction, truthfully, right before chapter 11 and chapter 10, which is interesting because most of Isaiah we talked about is not chronological. So at the end of chapter 10, it describes God's power, cutting down the tallest trees, lopping off huge bows with a huge force, thinning out the forest with an axe until all of the trees are brought low. And then from that devastation, it goes to this picture of a shoot coming out of the stump. A shoot, of a sprig of green, perhaps, in a landscape of decimated trees. So this branch comes from the stump of Jesse. Jesse is King David's father. And this would have been seen as a confirmation of God's promise to David. But why not just say David? Why, why say Jesse? Well, we don't know. Scholars don't know. They say maybe because of humility. Jesse was just a regular guy. Some say to not portray David as a king because this new ruler is not the same as an earthly king. One scholar said that the Hebrew reads in a way that shows how the unexpected king is the root of Jesse, meaning that the new ruler is at once the root support and the source in the family in which he would be born. That makes sense when we think about Jesus. The Messiah is the cause of his own family tree and then will shoot forth from that family. So as we've seen over and over again in Isaiah, disaster is not the final word. Yahweh is faithful and wants his children to know that there is a new day coming. And God is saying how the house of David will be restored and it will be a miraculous new growth pattern out of what was seemingly dead and gone, which will bring salvation and life to all who trust. But let's just think about for a second how Jesus seemingly came out of nowhere in his generation. The Messiah was born in an obscure place to poor parents that nobody would have known. Fully human and fully divine. And that's an impossibility which is a barrier today even to some who just can't believe. 
After 400 years of silence, God must have been seemed so far away to the people. And we wonder if the people felt like cut off stumps. Sometimes we feel like cut off stumps in our life with no hope of being energized again into a powerful, stately, impressive oak in the forest. There's no life going on. Then an angel appears to Mary, to Zechariah, to Joseph, to Elizabeth, to the shepherds. Still, no one really knew. At the women's Christmas party this week, Pastor Danielle reminded us how everyone waits in Advent. Even Mary and Elizabeth had to wait for their boys to grow up to discover what God's plan was. You see, there's no fast solution here. Often God doesn't bring an immediate, immediate resolution for us. Isaiah says a child will lead the new day of peace, not a conquering hero or a strong giant. A child comes to lead. A helpless babe is the savior. A baby, the ultimate symbol of life from Yahweh the one who made the world becoming one of its creation. The only one who sees the baby really for what he is, is King Herod. The beginning of bloodshed to try and stop the powerful Messiah from bringing a new day begins. And yet even out of that horror, God brings life. Now Isaiah describes a deliverer who has characteristics of true life, life that the world cannot obtain on its own, life that the world cannot sustain on its own. In verse 2, we see three couplets of life that only come from the Holy Spirit, wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and true reverence. One commentary said how whiz, think of wisdom as a reservoir and the other characteristics flow out from that wisdom. Only God can bring that type of integrity in life to humans who are bent on living by their own terms. And often when we live on our own terms, that leads to death. But against impossible odds, Jesus the Redeemer brings new life. Walter Brueggemann says this about Isaiah 11. This poem is reality defining for the people of God. Because there is... Because this is a poem of the new incursion of God's spirit that breaks open across the world. The Holy Spirit comes to bring new life to the people through Jesus. Verse 3 describes the inner world of the Savior, how, how his delight is in the fear of the Lord. That means that he is glad to be guided by God. Jesus calls God Father. It says he doesn't judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. He is from another realm while choosing to live in this one for a while for a specific purpose. One of the purposes stated clearly to help the poor and humble against the schemes of the wicked. We think about what an impossible thing that is sometimes that the poor often are oppressed, that the wicked often win. And that was part of why this ruler was going to come. And Isaiah would have understood this because the kings in his time didn't display any qualities that wanted to help the poor and the downtrodden. And we think about our lives and how we see that today. 
with politicians and leaders who say that they want to help the poor, say that they want to help bring truth, but then they don't really practice it. And Isaiah gives us a picture here of the poor who can't afford to give bribes to leaders to get what they need and to the humble who wouldn't dream of even trying to give bribes. And Jesus, seeing what the world was up against, utilizes the holiness of God. And we think about what that means to be a leader who looks to God, who has a fear of the Lord. What a difference to have a leader in that realm who leads from a place of obeying and pleasing and glorifying God. And peace, peace is what comes from this kind of impossible leadership, the kind that is hard for us to comprehend, the kind that only Jesus can bring, the kind of peace we cannot manufacture. And here we read of peace being brought to creatures who have been enemies for a long time, the wolf and the lamb, the calf and the lion, the child and the snake, the embattled members of the animal kingdom who are being brought together as friends in peace. This is what Isaiah sees. This is the picture that God gives to Isaiah, a picture of togetherness and community and trust. In children's Sunday school class, this part of the Bible was read, and the teacher asked the kids, what do you think about this? And one little boy said, well, it's cool and all, but that lamb better be careful because he's about to get eaten up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's the point. Even kids know this is not a normal scene. It's an impossible one that the world still waits to see. In this picture, Isaiah reminds us a little child is leading them. Last week, we talked about how the people had seen a great light and it ushered in a new day. Here we see a picture of harmony that we long for and we cry out to have. This is creation restored as it was meant to be before the pride and the greed of humans got in the way. But even here, God brings life to the impossible. Because how does the love of Jesus tame our cruelty towards one another? When some people act as predator and others act as prey? That's a good question. We're actually going to talk about that Christmas Eve. So I invite you to come back Christmas Eve night because Pastor Colleen is going to be talking about them. But suffice to say, God brings about astounding turnarounds into people's lives. And here again, as in all of our high, high holy days this year, here is the mountain of God where people gather for worship. And in that time, in that day, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord. And on that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations will seek him and his dwelling will be glorious. A beautiful picture, but it seems so far away, doesn't it? Now, because this is an idyllic picture, it might seem that it doesn't really have much to do with the real lives that we find ourselves in. But in this season, all of us know or are experiencing impossible situations. Your pastors are coming alongside some people who are hurting in various ways in our congregation, in our community, actually across the nation. Just this week, I prayed with someone who's going through a painful divorce. 
I prayed with another who's having a complicated, drawn-out business situation. I prayed with another one who has a long-term health condition where the insurance just denied a claim for a drug and the person's life isn't going to last. I have a colleague who lost a young leader in their congregation to a heart attack. He was 30 years old and leaves behind a pregnant wife with their first child. I prayed with a senior who has an adult child who is choosing to not talk to them and the parent doesn't understand why. And there's no reconciliation that's offered. You see, these are impossible situations. And the only thing that my friends can see in these situations are hard concrete and burned up trees, an old rusty barge, and a metal sign high off the ground. These are seemingly impossible situations, seemingly impossible places for new life to come and grow. We all have situations that we cannot comprehend how a shoot is ever going to come bursting forth with the bright green color of life. A branch coming out of something that seemingly is dead and represents how nothing is ever beyond God's creative imagination. Because the truth is we see evidence of restoration in God's world all the time. We stop and we think in our lives about situations that we had last week or last year or 20 years ago where we thought that there was absolutely only hopelessness and death. And as we think about that situation and the situations that we know now, we think that there was little good and no real life. And then God brought something new. God brought some miraculous change. God always brings new life to the dead spaces that we have. So where is there a dead stump in your life? Where does it seem as though all is lost and there is no hope in sight? Maybe it's been a long time and you've been praying forever about a situation and you feel abandoned and lost and alone and forgotten by God. Maybe so long that you've become convinced that God is not going to act on your behalf. Maybe so long that you have begun to doubt whether or not God is actually real. Remember how long the people waited in Isaiah's time. Think about those who walked in darkness who couldn't even fathom any light. Even Mary had to wait 30 years to understand what it meant that her child was the Savior only to watch him die on a cross so that he could bring new life to all of us. This is where we continue trusting and finding delight in the Lord, remembering not to judge our lives by what only our eyes can see and decide what is true based on only what we hear around us. My prayer for us today is that the picture of the stump of Jesse will bring peace to us as we trust in the Savior who knows our desolation, who knows the impossible things in our lives, the sad places, and is already bringing new life to them. So we end with a quote by Henry Nouwen. I am increasingly impressed by the Christian possibility of celebrating not only moments of joy, but also moments of pain. 
thus affirming God's real presence in the thick of our lives. A true Christian always affirms life because God is the God of life, a life stronger than death and destruction. In him, we find no reason to despair. There is always reason to hope, even when our eyes are filled with hope. With tears, sorry. Wow, look how I did that. Even when our eyes are filled with tears. Amen. Christ is born. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.